Hello and welcome to another episode of Leisure Time with Duncan and Jonathan. As always, I am Duncan. And as always, I'm Jonathan. And today we're going to continue what we, our discussion about what we started talking about last week, mostly because we couldn't arrange um, involvement from other participants, but that's not really <laughs> like we could. But there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of people work schedules going on, and also. Have, like in, in at least one case, we um we're letting one person who happens to be off today as well just sleep, just catch up on her sleep because she is just been going, 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 going. And we understanding about you know worst schedules being what they are. Yeah, and at least in this particular individual's case, even when she does have a nominal day off it she she's usually book solid anyway so <laughs> for other stuff okay um and today what we're really gonna discuss is how much of a game changer that both the n64 and the sony ps1 really were we kind of skimmed the surface a little bit but today we're gonna touch you know we're gonna speak on more detail and we will at least bring up the um, Dreamcast and probably the Saturn as well should be at least mentioned um, because, because we're technically talking about two separate generations here when you think about it. But um, because for those of you who don't realize this, and there's a lot of people who are confused, and it's understandable, the PlayStation is 32-bit, and the N64, like the name implies, is 64-bit, so they are technically not really meant to be competing directly head-to-head, but they still were. <laughs> right, yeah, they did. They were, you know, for a time, the two biggest consoles that I can think of in terms of sales, yep. in terms of, you know, impact, in terms of who had one or the other in their house, because... You know, they were pretty prevalent back then. And sometimes you did have both, or at least access yes. to both. Uh, like my kids, you know, like my brother and I's kids, you had both, you know, depending on which room you were in at the time. Yeah. And because they. Yeah. Console. yeah. But anyway, so. I was say, now, Jonathan, you actually had. As I, now, I didn't have. I did not. Because, again, reiterating this, for those of you who don't, who listen to this out of order. I did not have a dedicated console, home console or otherwise, until my household on a permanent, a semi-permanent basis until 2011. And that was a fluke, (laughs) as we discussed last time. Um, Right, so you kind of, you had experience with it to an extent, but like you said, you really didn't have, you know, a permanent console. No, yeah, and I did not get a home console until February, until late February of 2012, and as my, and again, if you're listening to this out of order, or this is your first time, or this is your first episode you listen to for whatever reason, and we understand that because every every installment or something is someone's first, especially. Random. <laughs> you know that's become our saying that we have just because. You know, it, it's applicable to so many different things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
although admittedly podcasts unless they get pulled off the um, distributor for whatever reason like there's one particular podcast that I discovered last year that has that was pulled within the last month or so um, and it's a and it and it's from it's from Mass Effect and it takes and it takes the form of it's a Mass Effect fan fiction podcast and it takes the form of an in universe radio show on the Citadel. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm surprised that got pulled, but I guess they had their reasons. Yeah, I don't now, know if it was the if Ritzhagen first yeah. installment or the first game I played on the N64. <laughs> well, that honor definitely goes to Super Mario 64. That's the first N64 experience I remember having. Now, I have to ask, was that the pack-in title, or did you buy it separately? Because I know that sometimes consoles ship with a game in the box. <laughs> in, in this case, it, I bought it separately. Okay. Although, I did end up getting a Donkey Kong 64 sort of pack later on, which is funny to think about. Yeah. Donkey Kong Country is the other yeah, that's the other half of the Mario franchise. Yeah, or actually is it the other way around? Is Mario a spin off of Donkey Kong? Because when you think about it <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. What a game that was. I mean you wanna talk about something that had a lot of content. And a TV show. You can't forget the TV show. <laughs> yeah, and that was before they had trophies <laughs> or achievements. Or whatever. Uh, PlayStation experience. That honor goes to Tech. <laughs> yeah. That, that was the first Sony PS1 game I played, and I was already a fighting game fan anyway, so it just kind of, you know, I just kind of gravitated towards that. And in that case, that was uh, somebody borrowing. <laughs> You know, it was like a barring sort of thing. Like, okay, you have Tekken, I'll trade Tekken for Golden for a week. You know, <sighs> that sort of thing. Yeah. Now, PS1, I think, really opened a lot of doors because Sony up to that point, they weren't really in the gaming market. Not like that. To that extent, they were in the electronics market to be sure. Yeah. But PS1 really, you know, made them kind of shift their priorities a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and when you, and Jonathan, you you will eventually get this. And it's ironic because we, you've known about the book in question for just under four, just under what, six years now? <laughs> because. <laughs> Yeah, it's, no, wait, no, wait, wait, no. We discovered we discovered at that time we took that trip to the Barnes and Noble together, or, or rather we met up at the Barnes and Noble, and we just happened to stumble across a couple of hard cop hardback copies of Console Wars, and we didn't get it, in it, and I didn't get that until after because I was because we were both unemployed at the time, so we didn't want to um, spend too much, <laughs> and it was a bit pricey. Right. Yeah, well, you, when you don't have employment, you kind of have to, you know, put yourself on a bit of a budget, or at least most people do. Yeah, some people 
have no self control. In <laughs> <laughs> console wars, I really think lays out a good portion of you know the history behind you know a lot of different consoles. Yep. You know what they were up against because the average consumer, the average gamer, they may know some behind the scenes stuff. But they don't know the inner workings of the game of business. Like, that's something that you don't really get a lot of exposure to. Not as a, for lack of a better wording, civilian. <laughs> yeah, like, it's different if you're, you know, a product tester or, you know, a distributor, in which case you kind of know the ins and outs. Yep. But, but there's no behind the game like it is for, or like there was. Or behind the music, like yeah. Yeah. Although I'd watch it if there were. Yeah, it's too bad G four had to be um. What what retired? How is that? The, what is that they do you do when you when a TV network is shut down? <laughs> um, is it is shuttered yeah. the right wording? <laughs> Randy, they they have said they're going to try to resurrect. I've heard rumors that they. Yeah. I'm going to try to bring G4 back. I don't know how true it is. But, you know, I'd be all for it if they did, just because mm. it brought. Bring X Play back. If you don't bring anything else back, I want to see X Play again. Yeah, that was a fun one. All right, it's now. But, but anyway, but, yeah, but still, like I say, Console Wars, it show it really. The main, the primary focus of that particular book is. The Sega Genesis, and they do touch on the Master System, but they mention how many missteps that particular platform took, and it was because of the fact that Sega... Uh, and, and if you haven't heard of it before this, there's a reason, because it was more... It was at, it was the, it was Sega's 8-bit entry, and it was, and it was technically, it was more powerful by all accounts than the NES, or Famicom, depending on which, um, part of the world you're from, um, but it was not, um, but it, but it, the market share, I think, was less than, like, 10%, <laughs> and that's probably rounding up. <laughs> it really didn't perform well. No, as far as sales, and then, and a lot of people think it's because of the fact, and it was one of those jumping on the bandwagon type things that, um, and, and, yeah, like, and there's also the fact that, um, and that's why the, uh, Master System, or, um, no, no, Master System is what we're, no, the Master System came for, okay, that's why the Mega Drive or Genesis, if you're from the Americas like the two of us are, <laughs> um, it was because it, uh, also the Genesis in South America too. I didn't look it up. Um, <laughs> it's not just North America, which is, but anyway. Um, so, New World. It's the Genesis. Old World. It's um, Mega. yeah, Mega Drive. Um, and yeah, I mean, the reason they launched that in what was it, nineteen eighty-seven? I think is when it was announced and then and revealed. Oh, wow. And then it was launched the following year. Yeah, but there was a, but but it was surprisingly, like there was a, you know, three years is a long time when you think of when, (laughs) for um, electronics, in particular. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Now, in the case of 
Sony, what is significant is for the PS1, they really didn't have a mascot, which you know makes their success all the more surprise. Yeah, I guess you could argue that Spyro and Crash Bandicoot could have been mascots, but as far as like a fake suit, Sony PS1, there really wasn't. Yeah. And they have since, and both of those characters are now owned by Activision, if memory serves, so they're not. <laughs> and Sony, unless you count Kratos, or maybe Ratchet and Clank, um, they don't really have a an in-house mascot proper, even to this day. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, Nintendo is forever, and anybody, even if you aren't a gamer, and I think that, you know, says a lot about the Mario mascot, even if you're not a gamer at all. You probably know that, you know, uh, Mario's forever going to be associated with Nintendo. Yeah. But anyway, let's see what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. But anyway, but this, yeah, the, but, and, and the PlayStation has an interesting origin because it meant, it was meant to be an add-on to the Super Nintendo or Super Famicom, again, depending on the, where you where you live. Um... His both names were used, and it was, and then Sony had a deal in, and it was not a just a verbal agreement. It was in writing, <laughs> and and yeah, Nintendo man, got spooked. Deal went south. I don't know all the details, but somehow. Yeah. Well, what happened was, um, Sony. Uh, yeah, Nintendo looked at the contract and they realized that Sony would have would gain enough of we we guess the fact that Sony was producing the discs and the um and the PlayStation was being produced separately. It was not it, it would be shipping separately. It was not going to be part. It was not going to be in because they because they wanted to make sure that it would be compatible with already pre existing equipment and pre shipped equipment. And instead, you so. You wouldn't have to make it obsolete, well, any more obsolete than it already would be by default. But anyway, um, and so they realized that Sony would get to keep more of the profits from sales of the <laughs> games made for the PlayStation. <laughs> um, and naturally. You know, if you're getting less of a cut or something, yeah, <laughs> you're more likely to say, "Okay, we're out of here. We're not doing." It. Yeah, you but know, most businesses aren't going to go for that. Yeah, but at the same time, the way they did it was they they the Nintendo went behind Sony's back and went with Philips <laughs> to, to Electronics. <laughs> To um, get what we eventually got, which was the CDI, <laughs> and we all mm-hmm. know how that turned out. <laughs> right, and that that also was another console that didn't perform well. <sighs> and that, that was that was another situation where you could see where they were trying to go with it, but it just didn't take over the market. Yeah, there's also the fact you had, um, and then Sony. And then Sony's American divisions were really on board were, were, because Sega's uh, Sega of America's um, CEO happened to be because where the announcement with they went with Philips was take place took place they had it was like I said, because because they were kept, they kept it so quiet that 
even Sony's CEO for North American Operations was not even did not even have a clue <laughs> that 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 they were being that the, that the rug had been pulled out from under him until literally the second that his Nintendo counterpart announced that they were going with Philips instead of. <laughs> And at that point, time, you really can't react. You just kind of <laughs> be like, okay, this is what's happening now. Yeah, and it's worth noting in between the uh, launch of the N64 and the Sony PS1, that Apple also tried their hand at the console, the, you know, game inside of thing. But in, in a shocking move for Apple, at least, at least by my knowledge. The console did not perform with to the point that hear about it. Yeah. You know, it just kind of was one of those things that most people probably can either remember vaguely or they kind of forgot about. Yeah, yeah. But still, um, so you had a couple of those, and okay, so we got that. We touched on the origins, Jonathan. You're the one with the most experience. I'll let you take over from here. <laughs> At least for a while. <laughs> um, it's, now, for N64, some of their most popular franchises were already pre-existing. Because you had Super Mario 64 that performed well. You yep. had the Mario Kart series, which, you know, was long. long which was and still is long running. <laughs> Same goes for the Mario Party series. Yep. You know, that's still very much ongoing. And then, you know, for GoldenEye in 64, that, that was a game changer for a number of reasons. For one, a slightly more mature type video game. Not too much more, mind you, but slight. So it kind of targeted a different audience by them choosing to, you know, go with the rare and do GoldenEye 64. For those who are unaware, that's the first, that's the roots of the whole multiplayer thing. You know, it was really the first time you started to see the whole multiplayer aspect thing. Because before that, Multiplayer was okay. I have extra control. Why don't you pick it up while you're at my house? It wasn't. Oh, it is. It isn't what you see. Well, where you know you would be somewhere halfway across the world <laughs> playing Fortnite. That that wasn't happening back then. No, and. And there's also the fact, and then you find out that it was mostly an afterthought because one of the developers just happened to be messing around with the uh, with the code, and they realized, hey, we can make this, <laughs> we can actually make this a selling point. <laughs> and it worked. You know, you can't, you can't really fault what worked. And then, you know, Perfect Dark, that really took things instead of more mature zone. You know, because that, that really targeted an older audience. Yep. Now, it's worth noting that a lot of the early N64 games were ports of arcade games, which meant that, you know, their frame rate 
and their overall performance was a little on the track side, shall we say. They, they had to work some kinks out. Hmm. You'll, you'll notice a difference if you play Cruden 64 versus Mario Kart 64 is which one you know runs more smoothly. You know, they're both racing games that they're night and day because, you know, of just how much they were made, you know, the way that they were made. For PS1, some of their top sellers included Crash Bandicoot, which to me had an image makeover in a lot of ways because, you know, the first one, I would say, great and all, but it's a little more clunky than this. You know, other installments that followed it. Seemed like they were just trying to figure out, you know, what to do. And then Rain Man, to a lesser extent, they kind of, they, they had a little bit of PlayStation Mario. I'm not going to say they didn't have five of because they did. But it was always, I always looked at it as third place, like behind Crash and Spider. Because those two were kind of neck and neck for a little while. Let's see, NFL Blitz is another popular one. They kind of game day as well. Shout out to 99 Sports. I don't think it's around anymore. <laughs> for a while, the distribution was pretty good on some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean. Man, let me not talk Twisted Metal because that, that one. <laughs> You know, that, that one, I think, appealed to a lot of, you know, people that just wanted to see something blow up. <laughs> I, I would imagine a lot of teenage boys probably bought that one for that very reason. <laughs> you know, that that's kind of what it was. And then, let's see, other notable N64 and PlayStation, you know, PS1 game. Um... Let's see, there's so many men. Donkey Kong 64, like I mentioned before. WCW Mayhem, that's that's a big one. In fact, the, the wrestling, both on WWE, you know, WWF at the time, WWE now, and WCW, did, they put out a bunch of wrestling games. It seemed like once they figured out one of them hit pay dirt, it was just like, okay. How many can we put out? Yeah, the yeah, it was like the um, they had a couple of those, and 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 on the PC side, you had the uh, Command and Conquer franchise was really going strong at that point. (laughs) Oh, absolutely, absolutely, they they were definitely performing well on that, and um, and then PS One also had. Or rapper to rapper, which was one of the more interesting games to come down the pipeline, I would say. <laughs> because it was the first time you really started to see a rhythm based sort of game to where, you know, this is pre DDR, this is pre, you know, um, Guitar Hero, this before. <laughs> so this was you know, one of the first rhythm based, like, okay. You don't keep keep up with the circle and keep it going. So that added a whole another dimension to what PS One was already doing. Yeah, yeah. 
so let's see here. Just trying to think. Let's, um... Ooh, that's going to look stupid. That would be. Okay, yeah. Now, shifting gears a bit here. Um, let's talk about... Now, okay. We're only going to be... We're going to be still focusing on gaming. Let's talk about the, um... The sports titles. Because there were a few big ones at that point. <laughs> oh, goodness. I mean, pick, pick a league. Whatever, whatever league you want. Because NHL, they, they had a following on, you know, both systems. Straight out the NBA line. Yep. They, they, they held down the fort for a minute. Obviously, I can't forget about the Madden franchise. Because at that point... You know, it was ubiquitous, <laughs> and it would it would only get bigger every year. Like, <laughs> you know, it became an institution at that point. Yep. So it was just, and then I also have to mention knockout kicks. Can't forget about that. Shout out to EA for putting that one out because that was another popular sports title for a while. <laughs> I mean, and and just to clarify here, we're talking about when Madden was still good, <laughs> not the ghost of its former self that it is today. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. We're talking about you actually wanted to throw money at a Madden game because you knew you were going to get some high level quality. Or not just relatively. Oh, I am used to this guy. You know, it wasn't that type of thing. So, you know, and I, that was at the time when EA had a different reputation. Like, it was just like, oh, EA yeah, made me ain't living back. Give me, give me. Yeah, give it to me. Like, and then FIFA also had, you know, their, their you know, active fan base as well. Because I remember playing a few of their titles on the guest ones. So I definitely uh, have had some experience with that. So it was, you know, pretty much, I would say it was a lot of variety because anybody that went in Blockbuster, you already knew, kind of had like, okay, do I want to play in your house over here? Do I want to play Warzone over there? Yeah, I mean, like, a, yeah, we're also, we have to remember that this was, again, Gamefly was not around, or at least not, I don't think it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, you would not be able to rent games through the mail, <laughs> same with movies. No, at that time, that was a foreign concept. <laughs> yeah, you know, it wasn't really something you could just get online, click an app, and watch a movie and stream and be done with it. No, it didn't have. <laughs> yeah, I wish that we had it around at the time. But it just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't possible. And it's like, one, one job. And, and for, for all my gamers now that are used to downloading stuff, and, and this, is, this is one case where I can say it's slightly better. 
there, there weren't any download speeds to worry about. Didn't need an internet connection. Sure. No. You just needed a console, something to plug it into, and the game itself, and you're good. Like, <laughs> so all you need. Yep. And another thing that was a game changer for the PlayStation is that it was on CD-ROM instead of a cartridge. <laughs> we should probably oh, yeah, bring that up. That right there, you know, set them apart because aside from the Sega set, yeah, aside from them, everybody else was doing the whole cartridge thing. And that's just, you know, that's just the uh, default uh, medium, I guess you would say. They're all the video games on. And to an extent, you know, it still carried on the N64 because they, you know, they still get cartridges. And they also had the Game Boy Color and its descendants still use cartridges as well as the Switch. <laughs> uses any right, Yeah, I mean. So, you know, cartridges have kind of always been uh, Nintendo's bread and butter. Sony, it depends on what era we're talking about. But as far as their first party and their hardware, yeah, they've always used disc. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> always, I mean, it's just, you know, what they've done is probably, you know, was to set themselves apart and work. Now, Dreamcast, for those who may not have gotten to play it, and I would imagine that some of the listeners may not have, they also, you know, were able to use a disc setup. And they were a different size. They were not, it was not the same size. I mean, it was, it was I think it was around no. the, and the GameCube also used um, a smaller disc for some reason or other. And then they were also smaller consoles, if you really think about it, because yeah. the GameCube wasn't exactly the biggest thing you could have in your house. No, it wasn't. It was and then, of course, you know, it only came in one color. It wasn't like... Well, um, okay. And eventually they had different colors, but yeah, the, the, but the original batch default color was purple. <laughs> Which, yeah. <laughs> that, that's how you knew what system it was, because well, you know, no, no other gaming system had the purple on it, because... Not by default, you know, anyway. Yeah, the the black, you know. <laughs> you had the black and black. And you might have had different color controls because I sure did. I had a problem. Yeah. But you could see like all the wire and stuff. And then for PS1, you had the gray color. You know, the sort of whitest gray color. I don't, I don't know what you call that color. Yeah, it's not Battleship Gray, it's not Gunmetal Gray, it's its own thing, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, 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 okay. Should, should we talk about how important the demo discs were to the whole thing? Like, oh, you mean the ones you mean? Game changer that was? Yeah, 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 because... Okay, now, and this also, this also happened with PC, so it's not just console. A demo disc, kids, is... Now, sometimes they would have, like, these, um, now, there would be different places you can do this. There would be some places would do it at, um, 
like, like movie theaters did this a lot, they would, or they would have representatives from different um, companies would have little booths set up in the lobby of the movie theater, and this is actually how my dad and myself rediscovered Warcraft, <laughs> um, because we were going to see um, the uh, one of the Lord of the Rings movies. I forget which one. But we were going to see it again with a co-worker of my dad's, if memory serves. And, and on the way out, we there was this guy from, I don't know if he was represented from Blizzard or if he was representing GameStop or Best Buy or some such. But there was this guy there, and he had a bunch of demo discs for, um... And now, they were nominally, it just had a demo for, um... Warcraft 3, Reign of Chaos. It also included um, the first Starcraft, the demo for the first Starcraft game, of all things. Um, uh, that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, so there were a couple of those. And, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where you had... So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was fun. I mean, and we were able to do it. And um, and then we eventually got the war, the big battle chest thing... <laughs> <laughs> that they sometimes have still to this day. And then, of course, then World of Warcraft launched a couple years later. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and for those gamers who might have been on a budget, you know, demo disc, especially on a song thing, because they, they were famous for putting out a bunch of demo discs throughout the year. That, that was good because try before you buy that whole yep. uh <laughs> That that's more or less what it was. You might have trailers for upcoming game, you know, so you can kind of get a feel of what was to come. I know people that collected them, like they would have a whole CD wireless full of nothing but you know, just demo disc because sometimes you just wanted to play a bunch of different games at one time, you didn't really want to, yeah, you know, yeah, pull out. This specific one, mm-hmm. and now granted, sometimes they be misleading because the demo you play in the actual game, you end up probably purchasing or renting later. They they did not always coincide. Yeah, because the demo would sometimes be there would be some final changes that were made to the to the actual retail product that were not reflected in the demo <laughs> version. Um, because one was because the demo would usually be released months in advance of the actual planned release date which could change <laughs> um right and oftentimes it did depending on you know what franchise we were talking about that, yeah. that's actually how I came across another one of uh Playstation probably biggest franchise ever at least initially Gran Turismo yeah that that one, I think, you know, was a game changer for a lot of reasons because Mario Kart was fun, but it had that cartoonish element. See, Gran Turismo, on the other hand, that didn't really have a cartoonish side of thing. No, it was more realistic. <laughs> yeah, it had that more realistic uh, feel to it. Okay, so let's, uh, all right, now. Well, let's focus a bit more on rental, and we can and because I don't want to go too much past forty minutes. So let's spend the next let's spend the next um ten minutes or so here discussing um rental and how 
Netflix and, and, and Netflix and how GameFly and um, PlayStation Now and I think there's an one I think that Microsoft has an equivalent service um, where you don't have or if you pay a monthly fee on top of at least in, in PlayStation Now's case if you pay an additional like five dollars a month um, separately from your um, PlayStation Plus subscription fee. Which I'm playing the twenty five bucks every three for three months, and so I'm doing it personally. But but I think there's a monthly plan and there's also an annual plan um, that you can go for. Um, always said that there's one now. There wasn't. There wasn't one. There was. There only had the annual or quarterly options when I got it. But that was four and a half years ago now. So <laughs> yeah. Um, right. It was really upgraded. You know where Blockbuster kind of left off because Blockbuster yeah you could rent, but it's a limit to how much you can rent and how long. <laughs> yeah. You know, or limited in terms of its scope. GameFly, if you want to keep a game for a certain amount of time until you complete it, you know you got that option. You don't really have to worry about late fee. <laughs> No. Because for the gamers that missed out on late fees, thank goodness for you. Thank you. Thank goodness you dodged that bullet. Because the game, the late fees were no joke. No, I mean, and it, and it, and it would add up quickly. I mean, to the point that there was one joke where, um, well, this is involving the local library, not um, Blockbuster or their competitors. But, um, but there was this one joke that... Um, that it was in our neighborhood because it was not just our household that did this. There were several others. Is that is that the um, independence branch of the library in Charlotte Mecklenburg um, could just stop <laughs> except would would yield to stop requiring um, tax dollars because the, <laughs> because the late fees and fines that people were accumulating would be enough to <laughs> maintain the facility. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was just. You know, at one point in time, you just kind of, especially if you kept the games long, you had a library book that you kind of forgot to yep. return for whatever reason, because that did happen sometimes. Yep. And then when you find it, like, when you clean it out somewhere, it's just like, how much do I owe on it? Yeah. <laughs> especially if it's been like a year or two since you checked it out. Mm-hmm. That definitely happened. You know, and for Gamefly in a lot of different places, you know, they really saw, uh, you know, a need in the market because at the time nobody else was doing what they were doing. So they, you know, they were able to uh, get a few steps ahead in the competition because mm-hmm. nobody else was doing what they were doing. Yeah, and they had a lot of. And there's a lot of now they have pulled some older titles off, but that it's understandable because I mean, especially with a new generation about to hit the market, <laughs> it makes sense that you would start pulling stuff from the previous generation or generations. Yeah, it's it's the same with product you know, line. GameStop and a lot of their other businesses. This hill, you know, you use games, you use consoles. You have to kind of make room for new inventories again. 
Yeah. You can't hold a Nintendo DS game like that. You can't. No. Uh, but yeah. But anyway. Yeah, so like I said, there were a couple of things that... and I really wish they would like give you an alert um, so that you would know when they're going to no longer have stuff available for rent, especially when it's been in your backlog of your queue for the better part of a year. <laughs> and then, you know, on the movie side thing, you know, Netflix was... And we're going to talk about that more. That's probably going to get its own episode too, because you know, such a game changer with how movies are consumed. Yep. Okay. So. Yep. Have to bring it up. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and I think we covered pretty much what we set out to cover. Let's go ahead and end this one here, and we will. We don't know when we'll. We might come back to this next time. We don't know. I think in the next part, we definitely want to cover, you know, GameCube and, you know, PS2. Xbox. Xbox, yeah, that whole era. Yeah. All right, so signing off, people. Hope you enjoy this. Until next time, people.